This is a drink with a friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I'm Seth Haynes. Hi, Seth. What are you drinking? I am drinking coffee from my favorite little coffee shop downstairs. Hail fellow Walmart. I thought that since we were kicking back off a new season that I would have a really, really good celebratory drink. Nice. So that's that's my stuff today. Uh, All right. And I'm excited about it. Very cool. Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking my apple cider vinegar mocktail that I've talked about from time to time. I mentioned it this week in my Substack newsletter. So I was thinking of my readers and wanted to give them little cheers. So for those who don't remember, read it on my Substack because I mentioned it. Um, it's just this nerdy little pretend drink, but it's actually good for you. And I like it. Man, you know, what? we, we ought to ask our reader, our listeners for all of their favorite mocktails. I think, you know, I would love to have like a recipe book of like uh, 20 mocktails that I could just kind of choose from. That's actually a really, really good idea because even though I drink alcohol from time to time, and I know you don't really, um, <laughs> we're recording on Wednesday at noon. So it's not like I'm really going to drink much alcohol if ever. If I ever do, it's like for specific reasons. So that would be fun. Otherwise, they're just going to keep hearing us talk about water and coffee. Yeah. Which that could kind of get boring, right? Yeah, I mean, I get bored hearing us talk about coffee and water. So yeah, that's that's yeah, that's probably true. But but when you say um, if you're drinking at noon, it's probably for on a Wednesday. It's probably for a specific reason. Like, what would that reason be? <laughs> um, like it's um, the last day of school or something like that. Like it's not. Oh, okay. It's not for any other reason other than like once or twice a year or something, you know, or my birthday. I don't know. Like. I'm yeah. I'm such a rare drinker that I can't imagine drinking for any other reason than like two toasts to something. And I here's the thing. I also like I know we're talking, you and me, but um and as we will get to talking about, I think, in this one, um, I much prefer in person. I it it kind of weirds me out to think that I would be like pouring myself a drink with alcohol and it's like me and my dog here, you know. Kids are at school, Kyle's yeah, at work. Like- drinking alone at noon on a Wednesday might be indicative of like a problem. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. That says something else, I think. And I don't want to go there. I just don't. So No, I think that's probably wise. Uh, it's a word of wisdom right there. But I mean, that's a great segue because it was what a year, a year ago, gosh, it was a month ago that we were in person together with 27 other lovely human beings. And we're here to talk about that and talk about, I don't know, lessons learned, life, life experiences had. Um, so how you doing a month later? Man, I'm doing fantastic, except for that I w- wish that I were back in Italy. And I really, you know, you said 27 people. That sounds like so many people, right? That we traveled yeah. to Italy with 27 people. Yeah. Of whom but we knew almost somehow, none in advance, right? Yeah. Literally almost none. Um, I knew a couple. Um, and I think, did you know a couple? Yeah. Like, well, a collective few people. And then yeah. you and yeah. Amber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides, yeah, present company excluded. Um, y- yeah, man, I I really miss those people. So when you ask how you doing, yep. I, I felt rejuvenated when I got back. I felt really full of life. It was a really amazing trip. But I really miss 
all those amazing 27 humans that we got to spend time with for uh, 10 days. I know. I know. Um, I got a letter in the mail a few days ago from Juju, which was very fun. Yes. She uh, just like cut out a newspaper clipping and put a little note on it and why she thought of me. And to me, that is just like classic not only classic Juju, but classic of that era that she represents. And it just makes me long for that, like, slowness, you know, of I'm going to take the time to find scissors to cut out something. Because I don't know, my grandma used to do that, too. And I used to kind of roll my eyes at that, like, oh, come on, just, I I don't know, to me, it seemed extra or like a waste of time. But I absolutely don't think that anymore. And it just makes me long for that real present company, you know, yeah, so for the listeners who don't know, explain who Juju is. Well, to kind of preface it, like you said, we didn't know who would be coming with us to Italy. Um, but we were probably somewhat surprised, I think, at the beginning to discover what a wide range of people that came along with us. Um, and in one way, they are, there was such diversity was in age. So Juju was our oldest participant. She's nearly 80. I don't know if she when she turns 80, but um, basically 80. And she was there with her daughter, both of whom were fantastic human beings. And she, I think, surprised us all with how much energy she had, yes. how much life she brought to the group and how just present she was for every single moment of Italy and what, what a lesson that was for all of us. Yeah. I mean, it was hotter than (laughs) Hades. Mm -hmm. Literally. It was so hot. Um, I mean, just walking outside, you would drip with sweat. So it was hot. There were just tons of walking. I think one day I made, I like took, 28,000 steps or something. <laughs> right. Um, so it was super hot. There was lots of walking. There were tons of like hills to negotiate. And about the time that any of us felt really sorry for ourselves, <laughs> you would look up and there was Juju, you know, 15 you know, feet ahead of you, <laughs> right. walking strong, yeah. uh, uphill and laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're gonna, in a moment, not to jump the gun, but we're gonna play some of our attendees uh, moments of what they learned. And hers, just I still think about because I think she mentioned a color she she grew to appreciate while in Italy because of Italy. And I just I love that that is a thing she noticed. And to me, I, I guess that's one of my big takeaways from Italy is the idea of being really, really, really present, Um, not taking photos to post to Instagram, but just either taking photos for the art of taking photos or just not even and noticing things like the color that you're looking at. Um, She was a great reminder of that. And so is everybody else, honestly. I mean, those conversations we had around food and um, into the evening, those remain my favorite bits of the trip. Yeah. So uh, speaking of things you noticed, like what, what were the things for you, um, you know, again, a month away, looking back at travel, travel with this group of 27 people that you didn't know, what are, what are the things that you noticed, the things that you take away? Well, this sounds really cliche and I've already kind of alluded to it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, I think I was just still surprised at how much it was the people and the conversations that were the biggest delights of the trip and not necessarily 
the cathedrals and the art, even though I absolutely love those. You know, we got some bucket list worthy moments of, of seeing some stuff that I know you and I both have wanted to see. Um, but it was really those really small conversations next to the person or with the person next to you. Um, I think a highlight for me was that time that your wife, Amber, and our friend Bond and I took a taxi to the little town to get gelato for everyone. And we brought it back and we just sat around and had gelato. That was nothing fancy. Like that was the opposite of fancy. We got styrofoam containers of gelato, but that was such a great moment. Just people that a week ago, I didn't even know graced the planet at the same time I did. Um, And here we are talking with them, even though that day we were like, I don't know, literally seeing a monastery or a saint's relics or, you know, some famous work of art, some Botticelli. I still loved just chatting with, you know, Matt, the the literal genius or <laughs> Hope, the professor. Or... The literal genius. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know that's what everyone says, but it's really true. And here's the thing. I think one of the best takeaways for me is since then, I have found myself being more present with people. Like I have the standing date to um, go to have coffee at 309, uh, which everyone remembers is the coffee shop right by my house um, with just neighbor friends on Friday afternoons. Like we just kind of have this open like, hey, whoever can go there for an hour or so. And I find myself just so much more engaged, so much like I literally forgot my phone and that was perfectly fine, you know? So I'm really grateful for that reminder to just like, just focus on the person in front of you. Um, yeah. How about you? What was a big takeaway for you? Yeah, I I love I love travel. Um, I love travel for a variety of reasons, and some of the reasons are the same ones that you do. You know, you meet interesting place people, you see interesting things and places, and amazing art. Um, when there's like a pilgrimage element, it's especially uh, good because you know you 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 have these spiritual moments, whether for me it was, you know, um, discovering quasi by accident that we were in the church housing St. Ignatius's um, (laughs) burial place. Like I had no idea that's where we were. And then I looked down and I was like, holy crap, that's where St. Ignatius is buried. Like it was so (laughs) surreal. Mm -hmm. Um, Or whether it was, um, you know, being downstairs, um, uh, you know, in in the crypt where St. Francis was buried, which was my confirmation saint and is, was just an amazing experience. Um, you know, you have these amazing experiences with amazing people and you eat amazing food and, and, and this is all really great and life altering. Like there are memories that I'll have from those moments and carry with me forever. But you know, what my favorite part was, hmm. um, you may recall, uh, we were coming back. I don't even, maybe we were coming back from, Subiaco, I don't remember, but we were coming back from somewhere and I really needed to stop at a camera store uh, mm-hmm. for a particular reason. And so there was a camera store that was about four, probably four miles away from where we were staying. And so we stopped off. I went in, I got what I needed. And then I was looking for a taxi and I couldn't find one. But what I did find was an electric bike. <laughs> And I jumped on this electric bike and I rode all the way back to the hotel 
where we were staying, uh, weaving in and out of traffic, acting like just an absolute, you know, Roman citizen who's going <laughs> to rule the roads with his bicycle. Right. Um, and there was something about that moment of like saying, okay, this is how people do it here. I'm going to do it like the people do it here. I'm going to totally immerse myself in what it means to be in traffic in Rome. Um, and it was a completely solitary moment. And I don't know, there was something about that that was just like really, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, empowering is a weird word. Um, but it was like, it's just a special moment, you know, like where I f- figured out how to get home on my own using an electric bike that I rented with an app. And that was really cool to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that to me, that was like a big one. I think empowering is the right word there, even though that sounds so silly, like you ride a bike, but it really is. There's something about being in another culture and you realize like, I can do this, I think is yeah. a, is really um, almost a rite of passage of sorts, kind of like with our own kids, you know? Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, I, I completely believe it, that that would be a highlight for you. And, and I think those are things that, you know, to be, to be really clear, like, I think these are things that I, in no small degree, have learned from you. Um, whether it was from, you know, reading your books about travel or your posts about travel or from being with you in Italy the first time. I mean, these are things when it's like, you know, you, you don't have, when you're, when you're in these places that you don't understand, you don't know the culture, you can't speak the language, it can be really daunting to try to navigate. But then there's this like freedom that comes when you realize, oh, they don't, really care if I mess up. In fact, they kind of appreciate that I'm taking a shot and yeah. trying to try and trying to work this out on my own. Yeah. Um, and I think when you realize that there's just a ton of, a ton of freedom that comes uh, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I learned that from Kyle when I first met him 20 something years ago, he was a guy that I met in Kosovo where, you know, we were both working with Albanians and he was the type that would just, totally botched the language because he would just try. And I was this perfectionist who would hold back till I like understood the grammar before I would like try and order something. And I missed out on an opportunity and actually, you know, probably improve my grammar because I'm trying. And so to me, that was a a really good boots on the ground life lesson for just life. You know, like you're gonna mess up. You're gonna look like an idiot. Totally. Um, Also, no one's going to remember like you think they are because no one's really paying attention to you in a good way like you think they are. So just go ahead and give it a try. And I'm, I'm speaking now metaphorically about all sorts of things in life, but that includes things like an electric bike in Rome, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so I I mean, for me, those were kind of the big takeaways. That was the biggest sort of like fun takeaway, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I really loved, what I really, really loved was hearing the takeaways from the people who traveled with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly because they they didn't really know us either. And their vulnerability was amazing. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is very true. Like when I think about some of the conversations we had, it's it's pretty astounding to think like we were talking, I mean, kind of as strangers, but not really because we were having a shared experience. But really, some of the things some of them shared, just because we were sitting next to each other on a bus, uh, that was a big deal that they were willing to open up. And I'm not saying like we're so honored. It goes both ways, you know, to where we then do the same, you know, give them the same honor as a form of friendship. Um, yeah, it's a really big deal to have those moments of vulnerability and openness with people that you otherwise wouldn't have 
known a month before. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And loved hearing from them. And I think it would be really fun to share some of the takeaways with, uh, with the people here. I do too. And we're going to start it off with, I guess, well, I don't know what order Kyle's going to put this in. <laughs> Let's just find out. But you and Amber and I, our second to last day, our f- last full day, we did stop at a gelato shop. Um, so you'll hear us probably with background noise, but that's kind of the charm of it all, of us sitting at an Italian beach just chatting. So, Tish, what is it that you hope to uh, take back with you to the States? So we've been to Italy before, but not with this group of people. And we didn't know the people that were going to come with us. It was a group of strangers, mostly. And I think for me, I was reminded, again, meaningful conversations in meaningful places. Why it matters so much to actually, like, go, what is it, 6,000 miles? A whole heck ton of miles away. For our favorite thing to be, like, late night gelato runs and talking by the pool. Not, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I loved seeing St. Monica. I loved seeing the, you know, Benedictine Monastery. Those were fantastic. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But if I'm going to take anything away, it's going to be like that really great chat I had last night with Marissa. Mm. And I never, I never expect that. I'm always surprised by those being my favorite things. And yet I shouldn't be surprised because that's like how life's always been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just reminded of how great conversations are with people how about you amber (laughs) i really loved going to the monastery of saint benedict maybe the thing that stands out the most to me and seeing the frescoes on the wall it was like being asked a lot of really important questions Mm -hmm. from long ago Mm. and how i'm going to play out into the future and so i have this feeling of I have work to do as I move forward and that work has to be done with the people in my real life and the people that I'm with and the people that um, just end up in my path so it's it's this beautiful art and this beauty and this ancientness that feels like ascending me forward Yeah, I mean, I think my takeaway every time I go to a different culture is um, just seeing the beauty of the people. So I'm with you. I mean, I I got to see the burial place of St. Ignatius, which was ornate and beautiful. I got to see the burial place of St. Francis, um, which was in some degree simple and beautiful, just stone and wood and fire. But also, like, I'm just watching the Italian people... Uh, ride by on motorcycle, uh, not motorcycles, on bicycles, um, and you know Vespas and things like this. T- taking pictures, holding hands, ordering food, trying to sell us sunglasses. You know, street vendors, <laughs> all these things. And it's you know, it's the beauty of just people out in the world. And I think that's when I think of the way of beauty, I think of people trying to forge a way of beauty. Um, and that's the mark of a good life. That's my takeaway. You know, we live among, we're with people all the time and they just kind of become, I I mean, they can be like furniture sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like this is what you walk past. These are, we know there are stories there, but when you get to step away a little bit like this and and look at a beautiful couple's marriage when they've been Mm -hmm. married for almost 40 years 
and you can watch them interact and talk about what all they've been through or um, another person's intense loss but healing it um, I don't know it, yeah. this has been it's been a good step away to look at the beauty of humans humanity and I think that's actually why kind of the best reason for travel like the best reason yeah. to just step away from your home temporarily not to like escape escapism is the worst reason to travel like you're not trying to find yourself you're trying to find yourself back home and I think you find it you find who you are among your community by going away from your community so you can come back that's right and that's what these that's what being around people in a new place has reminded me okay so one thing we were talking about already to recap this for our listeners <laughs> this group has turned out to be um so there's the, it's it's got the catholic bent because y'all are in charge but actually the group has a variety of faith backgrounds um and also we've got fulvio who who knows what who knows what who knows so um we're in um oh, okay so holly and i've been talking about uh, progressively throughout this we encountered these like stories that are sometimes beautiful sometimes creepy and like how do people take them how do especially like we want we wondered how some of the catholics in the group take them because it's so far from our experience um but then we had a like a, the realization that like this is not this isn't catholic history everything we're looking at right now is actually our history it's christian history this is all before we were like an us versus them or um split into different um personalities as our faith so it's really all of ours um and that was also reflected kind of in the dynamic of the group that there were no divisions that um we were all experiencing this along the way so while we came here traveling together as a unit it's actually like we all operated as as a larger body um which i guess um is what the church does as a whole and so to see that and even even those of us who are not coming from a faith perspective italy has the history of like our our version of civilization so there's so many ways that we can all um, plug into that and that's um that's for me what literature which is my primary source of um, beauty artistic beauty it does that it helps you um, it builds empathy for sure but that includes um empathy for the other as you're reading stories that are outside of our experience and so we experience that here as we all were coming from different perspectives or we're hearing these stories of different um, people who have done things that don't even make sense to us um, but also you have empathy for yourself because it also is your story um, and so art beauty in all those ways is a way to um, know other people and know yourself better um, and brings us into a common experience of that. I mean, the thing I keep thinking about, I think the day that was the most moving for me was when we were in a CC. And so it's been really fun for me to learn the stories of our of our heritage. I mean, like Hope said, there's some weird stuff. Like there's a finger and a head and I don't know why, you know. But it was super refreshing. a lot of mummies. Yeah. It was super refreshing to hear you um, and bond, talk to you and to Bond. I think, I can't remember who else about that. And to know that it, it's not, I mean, to be Catholic isn't to drink all the, all the Kool-Aid or however you want to say that, um, that part of it. And, and maybe, maybe so, but I think Italy has like 
in a weird way, opened us up to each other in ways that it wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to watch Hope and enjoy it. This is where I'm going to make her throw up. Um, I, I just haven't. I mean, we talk, we have these conversations together all the time. But to, like, watch her experience that joy with other people is really, is really sweet. So I really liked that. Um, I really liked, uh, like, laughing really hard at the table the other night. It was just a really, I think, like, we talk, we make fun of, like, mission trips, but um, there's a lot of joy in those trips, too, like, memories. And I think you, the older we get, the farther away those experiences can be. Um, so, yeah, I just, I was really surprised. I think coming into it, I had very low expectations, which is just kind of how I operate in life, and then I'm, like, pleasantly surprised sometimes. Yellow has never been my particularly favorite color. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have pinks or reds in my garden. I, I don't usually choose yellow or flowers or whatever, but when she said it, I opened my eyes, and there were some lovely intermittent yellow leaves on an otherwise very green tree. And I said, wow, isn't that pretty? And then as we rode on, there were beautiful yellow as opposed to the more peach colors. I noticed how many lovely yellow facades of homes there were. Um, Of course, there were beautiful yellow umbrellas in many places at the beach and in other areas. Um, It has struck me quite often how many yellow-haired or blonde children I have seen on this on this trip. Uh, the mom, the, the children, sometimes the dad all have quite pale yellow blonde hair. Um, when we really needed a restroom, we saw the yellow arches <laughs> of McDonald's. And, Headed right, <laughs> it right forward as we left the, the, the leading tower of Pisa. Every now and then I'd notice Kristen's yellow, if I were looking for her, her yellow straw hat. And culminating <laughs> with my le- yellow lemon dress that Kristen insisted I would wear hereafter, and was able to get at the beach. So I have a new appreciation for yellow, and I'm associating it with Italy on this wonderful trip. One thing that I noticed is because we had so many days in a row of seeing beautiful things after beautiful things, is that when I'm not rested, I am numb to Mm. beauty. So I got kind of burned out, but it wasn't like too much beauty. It was too little stopping to rejuvenate. That's good. So like my ability to see beauty and to experience beauty definitely depends on rest. And I'm going to take that home and not be so frantic. 20 years ago, I, um, I'm a book person, like love books. And so I was reading Under the Tuscan Sun by Frances Mays one night, and I just began to cry, and I couldn't understand what was happening. And I told my husband, I think it's because I feel homesick for some place I've never been, and I'm afraid I'll never go. Mm. 
And so um, when this opportunity came up, it just was the perfect time for me and it was the perfect um, situation. And because of books, I had read you and Amber's books yeah. and Tisha's books because I'm a book person. And um, so that kind of gave me the confidence to come on this yeah. trip. And I've been reading a beautiful book while I've been here called The Beauty Chasers by oh, Timothy Willard. Yeah. And it's just like books have been a theme that it feels like has led me on this um, trip and just underlining things, real life experiences awesome. of things yeah. that in my head I knew, but um, it has been incredible. And the beauty has far exceeded what I had hoped for. Good. The expectations. So. Uh, the beauty of the countryside, the beauty of the art, the beauty of yes, the art, the architecture, the countryside and even surprisingly, the people and the relationships that we yeah. have developed over the last few few days in such a short time. But I think experiencing beauty together with other yeah. humans makes it even more special. I love Tim Willard. And one of the things he talks about a lot is how beauty is actually objective. Like there are subjective components to like things that we love and things that we don't. But mm -hmm. how beauty is like actually an objective experience. Like when you see it. You, like, can't deny it. Right. Right? I mean, has that been your reflection here? I mean, has that been the yes, truth for you Yes, and here? one thing I read at the beginning of our trip from his book is that beauty is an event. Mm -hmm. And that, and it is something that we, like, it's an event that we experience. And that's definitely, like, when we went to St. Benedict's Monastery, like, that was just such a moving Yeah place to be an experience and it's really hard for me right now to even put into words yeah. how the beauty has captivated me yeah well when tish asked us about what is beauty and um what does it mean i started thinking about just um well, how do, how do people define it? And the golden ratio came to my mind, which made me think of relationships. So how does um, space relate to, to other space, you know, um, colors relating to one another, and then just expanding out because it could be the, the emotions that are portrayed and what you're viewing. Um, but then what, what do I find beautiful um, in my family, uh, relationships, making new friends, um, and, and even in nature, like uh, the Fibonacci sequence can be found in so many different things, which is really another way of, of relationship, a mathematical relationship term. So that's what I've been ruminating on. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm not nearly as smart as she is. Fulvio, I love your love of your country. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> and thank you for sharing it with us. We've all been blessed by it. Um, grapefruit gelato. Those who know, know. And honestly, I mean, my last one I put, like, everyone's step of faith in coming on a trip was mostly strangers. I know a few people knew each other, but it's a lot of strangers. That's a big deal to, like, get on a plane. I know a lot of people shared their, like, I almost don't want to come stories. I think a lot of people felt that way. But I'm just so grateful that y'all took a step of faith and, like, decided to join in what was in some ways not an experiment like we knew what we were doing but 
travel's always an experiment and group travel's always a little bit, you know, what's this going to be like? Is this going to be weird? Um, but this has been such a cool group that we couldn't have planned. Like, it super could not have been anything we orchestrated. So I'm just very grateful that y'all came along. So thank you. All right. So, Seth, before we wrap this up, we got to do what we've always done and talk about the thing that's adding more beauty to our life in the here and now. Because we're not in Italy anymore as much as we would rather be. But, you know, there's good stuff here. That's actually one of my big takeaways, too, is like, here's pretty good, too. Everywhere's pretty good in its own way. So what's something adding beauty to your life right now? Well, Tish, are you ready <laughs> for me to get myself canceled? I, I'm a, sometimes I, I fear. I fear. You know, um, let's just kick off the season. It is what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's go. So, you know, we are very soon going to have uh, Abigail Favalli on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she has written a book called The Genesis of Gender. And dude, <laughs> dude, it is, it is so good. And and the reason it's so good is because um, in the world in which we live, sometimes you can sort of be, to me anyway, I can be swept up into um, sort of the argument of the age, if that makes sense. Um, like there are really good, compassionate reasons for making a lot of space for people. And, and, and I still still believe in that. I still believe in making space for all kinds of different people in your very real life. Um, but there are some arguments, particularly around the issues of gender, that I, I really just didn't understand um, the the background, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. w- what was the genesis of that argument? Um, so, like, sort of the, the for, for instance, the argument for sort of a genderless or a gender-fluid um, you know, world. Um, I didn't understand the basis or the background of that argument. And her book has really helped me unsort some things that were just kind of sticking. Like I was just kind of getting stuck on Mm -hmm. some, you know, societal arguments that didn't necessarily make a ton of sense to me. And I was just kind of getting stuck. And she's, her work has actually really helped me unstick. It doesn't mean um, that I have the luxury of being uncompassionate to people. It doesn't mean that I'm unloving towards people, but it helped me think more clearly about, you know, maybe what I think about uh, gender and sexuality in a lot of ways. So yeah. I've been reading her book. I think it's really good. I highly recommend it. You may or may not agree with it. Um, but even if you don't agree with it, it's so worth reading just to understand um you know, a different perspective. It really is. You know, this is Wednesday and literally this week, this is the third time from a separate person that Abigail's book has been brought up in my life. Mm. It is really hitting people where they are because I think all of us have a lot of these questions that we're either not sure where to go or feel embarrassed to ask or are nervous about getting canceled just for asking. And yeah, this is the best book I have yet found on this topic, and I can't wait to talk with her because I think this Drink with a Friend crowd will really resonate with her. And like you said, you don't have to agree with her, but that's kind of what we're about here, like entertaining ideas that maybe you don't necessarily agree with, but that's okay because we're nuanced and we um, learn from each other. So yeah, great choice. 
Yeah, that's right. We learn from each other. That's a, a really good way to put it. And 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 like you said too, I think it's it's really important to read arguments that you both agree with and don't agree with because mm-hmm. they really do help you shape uh, a better thought process, better ways of thinking. Yep. So, yep. Um, Tish, what is it right now that is bringing some truth, beauty, or goodness to your life? Well, I am I, uh, on the last chapter of the last book in C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, sometimes also known as the Ransom Trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Have you read it before? No, I haven't. But it's uh-huh. funny that you say that because my son raised this the other day. Really? Okay. It's a bonkers, wacky story, <laughs> but I kind of love it. It's really weird. It's sci-fi, which I enjoy, but it's also C.S. Lewis sci-fi, which is to say it's chock full of theology and and anthropology and uh, just some goofiness. And I really like it. Um, it's a bit of a head scratcher at times. Kind of wonder where the hell he's going with some of it, but it's also just <laughs> fun and enjoyable. And I just kind of wanted to get lost in a world for a while that um, mm. was entirely, you know, I think the best fiction is sometimes truer than the real world, or at least points to the truer things of the world that we ignore. And I think this book does a great, or this trilogy does a great job of that. Um, I will say for my kids, we read the first one out loud. And then um, we started the second one, and then I don't remember what happened. We just had to, like, I think life. Um, And so then I finished it on my own. And then the third one is completely different from the first two. And I think my kids, except for Tate, would be bored because it's not – it's it's an entirely different beast. So just, you know, listeners' mileage may vary on that regard. But that's what I find. I think it's definitely an an adult book, but it's not because it's, like, edgy. It's just because – you know, yeah. I mean, like the third book gets into a lot of like the administration details of running a college kind of stuff, <laughs> but it's actually, <laughs> it's, it's so weird and unexpected, but it's actually really interesting. So yeah, Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. I recommend it. Uh, just be prepared for weirdness. I mean, I'm always prepared for weirdness. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Are these books like typical Lewis, like not quite as long or are they, or are they heftier the first two aren't super long the third book is considerably longer i want to say the third one is twice as long as the other two um and he says in various places that you can read each one separately and in fact you could read like the second one and not have read the first one um that said they dovetail beautifully as a series so you i would recommend just doing the whole thing because you meet a guy the the protagonist makes a lot more sense in book three when you know his experience from book one. So, you know, uh, and this was some of his early work. Like this is long before Narnia. This is um, like book two was at the, like the onset of world war two. So um, when he read it, I mean, or wrote it. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. 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 Um, Final thing before we wrap up, I don't know if you want to say this or me, But um, we have decided for this season that we are going to take a rhythm of every other week posting a chat for various reasons. Yeah, we've decided to move to that format primarily because life, Mm -hmm. right? Life is just so full and we both have so much going on and uh, we want to make sure that we're providing really good, thoughtful, meaningful content. And so, um, you know, this gives us kind of that opportunity to really think through 
um, episodes a couple weeks in advance. It gives us space to like sort out our recording schedule. And we hope it's going to give us some space to create and produce um, sort of some third spaces for people to sort of gather together like we did in Italy, mm-hmm. even though it'll be online and uh, maybe talk out some things about uh, the show and listen to some bonus content. So we're hoping that it gives us a little bit of extra space and margin to to, to create that um, in this season of A Drink with a Friend. And then I guess we can reevaluate at the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you said it very well. I think we want to make sure we're not the people that, you know, whenever you watch a show and you think like they just added this last season because they wanted to, not because there was more story to be told. I think we want to make sure that we keep this good. And I think that's what we're going to do by, you know, giving you a a little bit less, but a whole lot better. Not that it's been bad, but, you know, keeping it really good. Um, And like you said, we've got more in store. And I mean, you and I have like other jobs and children and seniors in high school and and stuff like that and 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 we're also primarily writers so this podcast is our little you know enjoyable reason to talk with each other and with our listeners but uh, we want to keep it enjoyable that's right that's right all right well it's time to wrap this one up then you can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com and you can also find there how you can help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks the show is free for you to listen to but it's not free for us to make so at the cost of just a cup of coffee or a pint you can help us keep it going again that's at a drink with a friend.com which is also in the show notes of this episode you can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter where I'm hanging out quite a bit lately at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, how about you? They can find me at sethhaines.substack.com. And I'm writing more frequently these days. So yes, it's are. been a lot of fun to, to see people there. Yeah, I like it. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter. I'm Tish Oxenwriter with Seth Haynes. And we'll be back here again with you soon in, I guess, a couple of weeks. So thanks for listening.
Uh, we love you all, and we <laughs> hope to see you on the next trip. Yeah, come along.